There's no telling what I may say this morning. My, I might get this urge from the Holy Spirit. There's just, we're going to go with what we got, but there's no telling what may come out of my mouth today. Listen, if you were with us last week, you know that we started a new series, Dane, um, called Follow Me. And there's a, you know, sort of the thing that I want you to be thinking about throughout this whole time is, is just the question, have I ever made a decision to follow Jesus? I didn't ask if you went to church and I'm not asking you if you, you know, if you go to a Bible study or you teach or you lead worship, I'm not asking you those things. Just at the basis of, of what we're doing, I just, I think it's good for us to contemplate that question, Chrissy, have we made a decision to follow Christ? And that's sort of been the foundation. The foundation is that of, of, our, of our conversation where we began last week. And by the way, if you happen to miss last week, you can pick it up online. Those of you that are, that are listening, man, if you weren't with us last week, um, you can pick it up online on the church website. And, um, but the, the foundation of everything in, inside of this is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth. And in the midst of his time here, there were times that Jesus offered up the opportunity for people to follow him. Um, and it was a simple, it was a, it was a simple, man, hey, come hang out with me, Dan. Let's go spend some time together. I mean, it wasn't to a, Jesus didn't call us to assist a system of religious rules and regulations, but Jesus called us into a relationship. You know, he wanted us to, to be able to spend time with him. And the one thing that I think that is, that is so, is we miss it so often is that, listen, when we spend time with Jesus, it has a way of changing things. It changes our lives. When you spend time with Jesus, I promise you, there's no way that you leave, you leave that time with him um, the same person, you're different. And we saw that last week as we looked at Matthew. We talked about Matthew Levi, who was a tax collector. And in the midst of that conversation, we, we saw you know, how Matthew was viewed from the outside, but we knew that Jesus saw something different. And, and what we learned last week, man, listen, just because you've blown it and just because you've made all these mistakes and just because the world says you're a terrible person and people in the church say you're a terrible person, hello? I want you to know that there's hope with Jesus. There's not hope in religion, people. But I want you to know that regardless of what it is, that Jesus offers us into a, a relationship with him because he wants us to know that he's not in it because something that he wants from us. Jesus is in the relationship, wants to be in relationship with us because he's got something for us. And one of the things that we learned, listen, last week we said, it, Jesus said healthy people don't need a doctor, it's the sick people that do. And I didn't come for the healthy people, they don't need me. And so last week, I think one of the things we might be able to say if we were to be honest is that sin is almost, it is a prerequisite to receiving an invitation. Because if you're perfect, you don't need an invitation. But the last time I looked, the Bible says, <laughs> Jim, that all, that all of us are sinners. I mean, just look at the person on your left and the right and just say, hey, you do know you're a sinner? <laughs> For some of you, that may, be, that may be more truthful than others. But, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, here, here it is that for us, us to recognize, to acknowledge the fact that we're sinful and that we are in need, man, it just changes everything. And, but, but what we want to ask ourselves today is after we choose to accept the invitation to follow Christ, you know, the, the thought is, what, what's in it for me? So let's just say I sign on the dotted line. Let's say I choose to follow Jesus. Well, why don't you tell me what the benefits are? What's the goal? Where am I supposed to head? You know, where should I, where should I end up? What should I get in return? And there's some things that we've talked about over the years. Maybe you've heard Maybe you've sort of picked up and some things like, well, what's in it for me? Well, um, you, you'll, have a, you'll have a better life. You know, things will go smoother. I mean, well, it should be, but not, not necessarily true. And we see Jesus talk in the scriptures, especially in the gospels. We don't see Jesus anywhere along the line promising us that as we follow him, if we accept the invitation to follow him, that life is going to be better. We don't see that. Or then I've heard other people say, well, you know, the great, the great benefit or the what's in it for me is eternity in heaven. And I don't know about you guys, but that was the whole reason I accepted Jesus, because I didn't want to go to the other place. 
You know, I was told early on, listen, if you don't love Jesus and if you don't accept Jesus Christ, then you're going to go to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. And so that was the main reason for me saying yes to Jesus to start off with. But Jesus, you don't see in the New Testament, in the gospels, Jesus going around and saying, listen, I just want you to know that the benefit, the, the whole reason that I want you to follow me is so that you can go to heaven. He doesn't say that as great of a benefit as it may be. Or, you know, if you follow me, you won't have no problems, no more problems. Now, uh, how many of us would say that's not a lie from the pits of where the devil lives? I mean, as great of a benefit as it may be, we don't see Jesus. We don't see Jesus going around inside of the gospel saying, listen, if you'll follow me, I promise you that you will have no more problems, no more stresses, and life will be easy. But nowhere in the scriptures do we find, we find that. So what I want to do today is I want to take you through some passages and I want to show you something that's pretty revealing because when I show it to you today, I think what's going to happen is you're going to go, oh my, because when I show it to you, all of a sudden you're, you're going to begin to see this. It's here and it's, and it's here in Colt, it's there and it's, it's there and, and Matt, it's over here too. Why in the world haven't I ever seen this? And all of a sudden you're going to begin to say, oh my word. Because Jesus didn't say, listen, if you'll follow me, I'll solve your problems. If you follow me, there won't have any problems. There'll be eternal. I mean, as great as all those things are, Jesus, those weren't promises that he made. But over and over again, we see that if we, if we choose to follow Christ, there's something that he wants to do inside of us. So with that being said, I want you guys to turn over to Matthew 10, if you would, this morning. The Gospel Matthew, we were there last week. We're going to be here today. This is the Matthew. This was uh, Matthew, the Gospel that was written by Matthew, the tax collector who Jesus rescued, who said, who Jesus offered the invitation that we saw last week to come and follow him. Um, but Matthew wasn't alone because there were some other guys. There were, tw- there were 11 other guys beside Matthew. There were 12 altogether that would be Jesus, some of his closest followers, what we call disciples, or maybe the apostles. And here, um, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today where, where Jesus has set them all down. He's collected this group of guys, <clears throat> and in the midst of their time, he's getting ready to send them out on mission. And as Jesus is getting ready to send them out on mission, he says, okay, I want you to, I want you to know this, and I want you to know that, and I want you to remember this, and I, want you to, and I want you to be careful of this, and be careful of that, and this is what you're supposed to So he gives all of these instructions, these details to these guys, and then he gets to this place where he gives some final words. And what, what we're going to do is we're going to see inside of this passage today that we're going to look, look at where we should be headed as a follower of Christ and where we should end up. I mean, what, what's in it for me? We're going to look at that today because I think, I think you're going to see something today that's going to like, once you see it, you're going to go, oh, my word. Why, why didn't anybody ever tell me that? <laughs> And yet it's going to be something that's been told to you over and over and over again. But maybe it's just never clicked. So let's read today. Let's read beginning in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. And let's see what Jesus had to say. Can we do that? Excuse me? Can we do that? I just thought you guys were asleep. And it's okay to sleep every once in a while. But if you sleep, I'm calling you. I'm going to call you out. Just want you to know that. If I see your head nodding, I'm going to call you. So you got to be looking at me. So I'll look just here. Um, anyway, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, let's have a great time. See, that's why some people stay at home. They don't want me calling their name out. I'm just joking. Anyway, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, and this is what Jesus had to say. Look, he's at the end, giving all these instructions. Look, guys, I just want you to know I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves to be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. We, we know it, wise as serpents, harmless as Dove. So here's Jesus saying, look, guys, I'm fixing to send you out, and you're going to be like sheep. You know, sheep are dumb. I don't think Jesus was calling them dumb. I don't think that at all. But I think he's saying, listen, I want you to understand that the shepherd's getting ready to send the sheep out. And I want you to understand the environment that I'm fixing to send you into. And if you're going to be obedient to me, it's going to cost you. It's going to put you in some dangerous situations. So I'm going to send you out, and I'm going to, I don't... Uh, it's going to be easy to be fooled. It's going to be easy to find yourself in defenseless situations, but there's going to have to be a balance between vulnerability and wisdom. And he says, but beware. Beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and you will be flogged and uh, with whips in the synagogues, to which I would have thought to myself, maybe it's just me thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Um, I, I mean... 
I, Jesus, I thought, I, thought, I thought everything is good. What do you mean we're going to be going over here and this is going to be happening to us? I mean, Jesus, I mean, you're like a rock star. And because we hang out with you, I mean, we're like popular too. And what is this stuff you're talking about going to be uh, handed over to the courts and flogged with whips? What is all this stuff about? And Jesus knowing what was going to happen because we all know because we, we're looking back. And remember, these guys didn't know what was going to happen ahead, but Jesus did. Just remember that. Jesus, knowing what was going to happen, knew, knew that not only would he be arrested and he would be beaten, but Jesus knew that their lives were going to be impacted as well. And Jesus said this. He said, you, you, Katie, yeah, Mike, Jim, yeah, you, Otto, you guys, I want you to understand this. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. And that, look, as bad as it may seem, as bad as it may, um, you may think things are, I want you to understand that when this stuff happens, it's going to be an opportunity for you guys to give a testimony, of not about what you've just heard about, but what you've seen and witnessed firsthand. But when you're arrested, when you're arrested, <laughs> When they put you in the shackles and when they arrest you, and I'm thinking about, that's about the time I think I want to go, um, Jesus, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. And I think I'd make my way out. Arrested. What in the world are you talking about being arrested? But when you are arrested, and he didn't say if, but he said when, but when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say because God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking it is the spirit of your father speaking through you. Okay, so you mean to tell us that there's going to be an arrest, that we're going to be beaten, we're going to be put on trial, we're going to be questioned, and yet in the middle of all of that, when I'm supposed to speak, God's going to show up and he's going to speak on my behalf. Look, can I, can I say something? Let me just ask a question. Jesus, if my heavenly father already knows all this stuff's going to take place, instead of having to speak on my behalf and go way out of his way, which I really don't want him to do. Why don't he just protect me from being arrested to begin with? Then all this stuff is solved. Doesn't work that way. And man, what a, what a, what a statement that is made here in verse 21 and following. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. I want to stop off this just for a second. I remember being in a country one time, and I kept trying to have this conversation with a guy. And I noticed he kept sort of putting me off. I mean, I, mean, I would try to engage him in a conversation about his past and about his life and about his culture. And he kept, he kept pushing it off to the side. And I'm like, <laughs> and here we are at night, and we're sitting on a porch out in the middle of this place. And he's looking. And I'm thinking, man, there's no, what are you looking for? He's looking, and he's looking, and he said, we'll talk later. He didn't say we'll talk later. He was talking in a different language, but it was translated. And I thought, what, what in the world? What's he talking about? But later on that night, under a dark, dark light, he shared with me. He shared with me exactly what was going on in his life and what he had experienced in his life because he had grown up in the middle of civil war in his country and family member turned against family member and he didn't know who was his brother and who was not his brother, who was for him and who was against him, even in his own blood. And so we read a brother will betray his brother to death, a father will betray his own child and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed and all the nations will hate you because you are my fathers. I mean, talk about catching you off guard. I mean, who in the world wants to sign up for their own death sentence? Why, why am I just now hearing about this, Jesus, this stuff about turning against and hating and killing and being arrested and all? Why is, I mean, I feel like I've been duped. I feel like I've been tricked. I feel like somebody's hoodwinked me. And all this for just accepting the invitation to follow you? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I thought everybody loved us. But Jesus said, wait. Because all that stuff that you've experienced to this point, it's, it's not going to last. But eventually, I want you to know that not only will I be hated, but you will be hated because of me. 
And Jesus went on to say some other things, and, and uh, he would get to the place where he eventually addresses the elephant in the room. The thing that they were all thinking but afraid to say, it was the tension. And see, if you've walked with Jesus for a period of time, it's a tension probably that you've experienced as well because there have been those times that you've wrestled at some point and you've not really known which way to turn. Jessica, you ever been there? I mean, I, I, I say I'm a follower of Jesus, but all of a sudden, life's not going the way it's supposed to be going. Things don't seem to be rocking along the way that I think they should be rocking along. All of a sudden, I find myself with no place to live. All of a sudden, I find myself, I mean, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to do the right thing, but Jesus, where are you in the middle of all this stuff? And here are the disciples hearing everything that Jesus is saying, to which here we are, and Jesus makes this statement. You see what he says in verse 28? Read it with me. What does he say? Don't be afraid. Can you say that with me? Don't be afraid. Even if you're home or riding in the car, say that with me. Don't be afraid. Which we say, you got to be kidding me. Don't be afraid. Jesus, don't you know what's going on? How can I not be afraid? You got to be, this is ridiculous. I mean, afraid after everything that you've told us? Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid. I mean, how in the world can I listen to the things that you're telling me and not be afraid? But Jesus said, listen, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in Hell, and, and here's Jesus giving us and the disciples, the disciples, but specifically us today, something that he reminds them over. And once you begin to see this, you, you start to see, you go, oh my goodness, what's here too? What's, what's over there? This thing of do not be afraid in, in the times when those questions come and the struggles come and the fears come, not only the things that they would experience for us as well, but as they come, Here's Jesus saying, look, when, when, you, when you've got those feelings and emotions beginning to well up within you, those times, I want you to know you can control your thoughts. You can control those actions. And listen to this illustration that Jesus gives. <clears throat> he goes on to give this illustration that's, that's, that's really important because it's so easy for us to give in to the temptation of fear instead of trusting in our Heavenly Father to take care of us. And listen to what he says. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. And I, I don't know what you consider to be a sparrow, but basically these days, you know, we just a sparrow. You know, I was growing up, that's what we used to, we used to call them, rice birds. You know, growing up on the farm, you called them rice birds, little bitty birds. You'd see them this time of year. We'd go hunting as kids, and I mean, you'd kill a rice bird, and you'd, you'd want to cook him over the fire, and his breast would be about the size of your thumb. That's all it was. But I mean, we felt like we had some accomplishment, but there were tons and tons of them. And we don't know what kind of sparrow he's talking about, but we know that the word that was used, the Hebrew word, could be just to mean small bird, but it wasn't just that, but also it's talking about the value of a coin, a copper coin. And Jesus goes on to remind us, not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without a father. Not a bunch, but not one single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. For some of us, that's very easy for Jesus. For others, it's a lot, you know. <laughs> and then one of my favorite, my favorite thoughts here. So, I always say, so what? So what? So, what do you say? Don't be afraid. In other words, in, in, if you understand the significance of who you are and your value in light of everything, even though you may feel invaluable, even though you may feel worthless, even though you may not think that God's paying attention, I want you to know that God pays attention so you don't have to be afraid. If God sees the sparrow, if God knows the, the number of hairs on your head, great or few or whatever, I want you to know you don't have to be afraid. After all that I've told you, I want you to know in spite of what will happen, in spite of what's to come, I want you to remember, don't be afraid. That even in those times of doubt and questions and fears, I want you to know you don't have to waver. And he wants to, goes on to say in verse 31 there, you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. But there's going to be those times that you don't, feel that way. 
that your feelings will get in, in the way of the truth. And the message that Jesus gave them wasn't, look, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. But the message was, listen, when those difficult times come and things don't go as planned, you can trust and know that you don't have to be afraid. See, some of you need to hear this today because of something you experienced, maybe even this morning. I got word this morning of somebody that experienced something terrible. And I thought to myself, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know some of you have had some tremendous experiences over this past week and weeks leading up to this. And here I'm listening saying, don't be afraid. See, what God wants to do is get us to the place that knowing whatever it is that we may face, whatever it may be that comes our way, that don't go as planned, that we don't have to be anxious, but we can trust God. The place that God wants us to get is to that place that we have that encounter with God and our trust becomes so strong and secure, our confidence that regardless of whatever takes place, I know that regardless, God is with me, that he's for me. And as a result, it changes the way I respond to the situations that I encounter. That regardless of whatever a group of people or a person might want to be able to do to us or our families, that I can respond knowing that God will not only protect my soul, but he will also secure my eternity. He has my eternity secured. I mean, you got the flesh over here in the temporary, and you've got our spirit over here uh, in eternity. And knowing that regardless of what happens here, that God's got it all under control. He didn't say it was going to be easy. But Jesus said, look, if you'll follow me, I want you to follow me because if and do, if, it, if and when you do, I want you to get to the place that your trust in me is so strong, that it's so secure, that whatever it is that you may be facing, that you don't have to fear. And Jesus emphasized this over and over. See, the, the, the benefit's not just about, about eternal life. And it's not just about going smoother. It's not just about no problems. I mean, as great as those things may be, Jesus never promised those. That wasn't, the, that wasn't the focus of his, of his time, but I'll tell you what he did focus on. I want you to get to the place in our relationship where you know that regardless of what takes place, you can trust me and you don't have to be afraid. There was another time when Jesus was talking to a large crowd of people. They were gathered as what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of that sermon, Jesus makes this statement in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. And I want you to read with me. He said, why do you have so little faith? I don't know how, what you term little faith and big faith, but when I think about little faith and big faith, I think, you know, little faith and big faith. You know, that's, that's me. So big faith and little faith. I don't know whether or not you have little faith or big faith, but here's Jesus saying, why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we, we wear? Jesus said, listen, I want you to have confidence in me. I want you to have confidence in my heavenly Father, because when you do, you won't be consumed with all the stuff that has the, the tendency to overwhelm us. Did you hear that? I want you to have confidence in me that you understand you want your trust to get to the place that regardless of all these things that seem to, seem to clog up our minds, take up all of our attention, uh, all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, I want you to get to the place that I want you to see that you don't have to be consumed by those things, the things that overwhelm us. But in these things, it's in these things that he says that dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your Needs. Yet how many times is all of our stresses and all of our tension centered around what we have and what we're trying to acquire? How much do we understand that God loves us and he wants to bless us? Not only that which is temporary, but that which is eternal. That there's a confidence and assurance that in God that, that's so strong that in those times when I'm, I'm led to be fearful and I'm led to start thinking about, well, all of this stuff, you know, I've heard it time and time again the past few weeks. We gotta have all this stuff, Pastor. You know, the world's coming to an end. You gotta have this, 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 and all these things. I ain't got time for that. I just ain't got time for that. 
I'm not telling you not to be wise. And I'm not telling you not to be harmless as, as a dove. You with me? I'm not telling you not to be prepared. I'm not telling you to be on, be on guard, but I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. A few weeks back, uh, Brother Steve talked to us and shared, shared the story <laughs> about, uh, I don't have COVID, by the way, just wanted you to know that. I want to make sure. I mean, because now you get around people and then somebody coughs or they get something hung up in their throat and all of a sudden they're like got a big L up on their, their head, you know. I'm thinking, good gracious alive. Chris and I had that experience the other day in, in a restaurant and I thought they were going to throw us out. It was him, not me. But, <laughs> but in Matthew 8, we see the story where Jesus is talking to us. He's, he's with his disciples. They get in the boat. They're going to sail across the Sea of Galilee. And in the midst of that, Jesus goes down. He falls asleep. There's a storm that comes up. And in the middle of the storm, I mean, there is, there is uh, I mean, literally speaking, all hell breaks loose. I mean, here are the guys, the waves, the, the, you know, the storm, the, the winds. It's a mess. Water probably coming in the boat. Jesus is down asleep. And then, and then I mean, here's Jesus sleeping and everybody's screaming, oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. And you know, it reminds me, uh, I don't know how many years ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago, I, I was going up north to a conference and and I've told this story to Randy, I think. probably We've probably laughed about it a bunch of times. But I, I was invited to, to jump on a plane with some, a private plane and, and, and go up to, to where they were going to drop me off for my conference and pick me up on the way back. So I'm on this private jet. There's four of us. There's myself. There's two businessmen and one of the guy's daughters who was probably in her 20s. And we had landed in, in North Carolina uh, to do a couple things, um, and we were we were we we had picked back up. We were up thirty thousand foot. I mean, we're traveling about seven hundred and something miles an hour. We're moving along pretty fast, and all of a sudden, I started to something something didn't feel right, and uh, I, I I felt like the walls of the plane were starting to just sort of and and uh, that's not a good feeling when you're thirty thousand. I'm thinking to myself, do, do like. You know, do I need like a parachute or something? And you know, it's really not good when you look up and you got the pilot and the co-pilot and they got a manual out and they're like flipping through pages. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm like calm. I'm like, you know, you know I'm, I'm doing okay. And uh, well, the pilot gets up and he hands the manual to the guy and he comes back and he just says, look, you said, guys, I want you to know we've, we've got some we got some things we're dealing with. Everything's fine. He said, we got some system failure. We got a valve that's not wanting to open up. It's a pressure valve. And for some reason, it won't open. It gets, it's stuck. And so what we're going to have to do, he said, just don't worry. He said, man, this, this plane is just loaded down with all kinds of stuff. And he said, it's, it's all these safety mechanisms. We're good to go. But what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to come down 30,000 foot. We're going to have to fly below 10,000 foot and, and to relieve some of the pressure. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and, and so I'm, I'm whatever he says, he said, but you know, we just never know what kind of Yahoo may be flying out here up underneath 10,000 foot. So we just need to be really careful, make sure everything's good, but we're all right. You know, you guys are really nervous, aren't you? <laughs> I was nervous. Not really, but I was sort of nervous. I'd be lying if I tell you I wasn't nervous, but anyway, so about the time he turns around, he goes back to the cockpit and we're sitting in this plane and there's a Gatorade bottle that's over here. And it was about, it was, I think it was empty. But all of a sudden, I watched that Gary Rader bottle go, shoo! That's a Jesus moment, okay? You know what a Jesus moment is? I mean, that thing just went, shoo! It just closed right up. Well, anyway, <laughs> I, uh, the guy's daughter starts screaming, oh my God, we're gonna die! We're gonna die! Jesus goes crazy. Well, let me tell you, that is an evangelistic moment that you don't want to miss, okay? So I just tried to stay calm, and I just said, uh, yep, we're all going to die. And, <laughs> and I said, but not right now, I don't think, but we are all going to die. It's not a question of if, but when we're going to die and whether or not you're ready. I don't think she accepted Jesus that day, uh, but... I'll just tell you, I did my best to convince her that Jesus was real and that he loved her, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but, but anyway, um, let me tell you what. I, 
anyway, that's, that's just another one of those stories. But back to the story. So here's Jesus. He's asleep in the bottom of the boat. The guys are hollering, we're all going to die. We're going to die. They wake him up. And look at what Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26. Why are you what? Why are you afraid? Why? You have so little faith. See, there's a connection between little faith and fear. You with me? There's a connection between fear and little faith. And they had to be like, what? What are you talking about? Here we are in the middle of a storm. Jesus, there's a storm, the winds and the waves. The boat's taking on water and Jesus is saying, why are you so fearful? And here's Jesus asking the disciples the question, the same question that he asked over and over and over again. Why are you afraid? Matthew recorded that, they, that he got up, Jesus did. He rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. It's interesting, the words that Matthew uses. Matthew uses a word, Mark also, because this story is also in the book of Mark, but Matthew uses a word, amazed. In the gospel of Mark, we see where Mark uses the word terrified, but in both of those instances, what it said is that those that were there that day underestimated the power of Jesus. Mm. Mm -mm. And man, I don't want you to miss this. It was at that moment that the disciples got a glimpse, not only what it looks like to fear the storm and the one who calms the storm, but also the one who controls the eternal destiny of our soul. It was at that moment that it was almost like, don't be afraid. Hmm. Hmm. Don't be afraid. In other words, at that moment, they better understood, don't be afraid in what it meant. And if we look back at the Gospels, it's this thing over and over that God loves us and he knows what we need, regardless of how hopeless or desperate or, or serious that moment might be. But when we trust God, we can have faith that he's got everything under control. And then when we do that, it's an attitude that honors him, but it also gives us a freedom that we need to be able to love others when it doesn't, just doesn't make any sense. Those people that threaten us, those people that are out to hurt us, those people that can kill the body, those people that can arrest us, those people that can put us in jail, those people that question us, Yep, when we get to the place, that place that we can honor and trust the one who has power over our souls rather than be fearful of those that we hurt us, then, then, and only then, our love for God will create some extra space that empowers us to love people that can love people that can hurt us, who've wronged us. This is what, this is what John writes in, in first. John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Turn over there just for a second, and we're getting really close to the end. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. This is what he wrote, as we live in God. He's talking to believers, those of us that are followers of Christ. As we live in God, our what? Our love. Our love grows more perfect. In other words, as we live in God and as we mature in our faith, our love grows more perfect, becoming more like Christ. I've always said, you know, we use 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is just a sidebar. You know, love is patient, love is kind, you know, all this kind of stuff. We always use that. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so nice. But how about, reading it in the, how about reading it in the context of spiritual growth and maturity? He said, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be, what? Afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence, him, because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And Jesus came to demonstrate love towards every person, even the Matthews of the world. Remember, remember who's writing. Um, remember Matthew and, and all that he wrote. And here was Matthew that felt so ostracized. Matthew felt so, so like one that was out on the outside, and yet it was Matthew himself that recognized just how far away from God that he was, which made him a perfect candidate. But Jesus said he came to demonstrate his love for every person, 
And here we find John writing that as, as for those of us that follow, we have the ability to do the same. I mean, if we're going to follow in the steps of Jesus, we can demonstrate love for others just like Jesus demonstrated love. But the only way that we can love the way that Jesus loved is to be able to get rid of the fear of man and what other people can do for you or do to you. Because if we're going to follow him, if we're going to follow Jesus, Jesus tells us that he's going to teach us how not to be afraid. Even in those times when it seems to be not logical or even beneficial. You know, I was talking to, um, to, to um, one of our church family members last night. Late and in the, in the middle of the conversation, he was telling me that he's just been getting phone calls left and right from different people because of the circumstances that are surrounding us. And he said, you know, said people are just looking. And I, and I, I told, told this guy, I said, you know why they're calling you is because your life is attractive. And he said, what do you mean your life, my life's attractive? I said, because the, in the midst of the storm that you're facing even personally, as well as um, the things that you're going through, there's a sense of calm and peace. And people know that there's something different about you. Can I, can I tell you, the world is not looking for a church that's fearful and afraid and making decisions based on fear. They're looking for a church. They're looking for, they're looking for a church that believes what Jesus had to say, that we don't have to be afraid. That whatever, see, listen, my hope is not in this building. People take this building and get rid of it. My hope's not in any type of technology, and my hope is not in the type of building, uh, the, the home that I live in. I mean, it can disappear at any moment in time, as great as it is. I mean, I drive a 1998 Ford truck, people. It's not in the, in, the, in the type of truck that I drive. That's not where my hope lies. I recognize that any one of us, any type of a day, or step away from be, taking our last breath. My hope is not in this, the, last, the breaths that I have left in this world. The Bible tells me that the Lord's the one that numbers our days. I know that. But man, there's a great security knowing that at the end of it, in all of it, that Jesus is over here saying, you don't have to be afraid, Sid. I got all that stuff taken care of. All that stuff that seems to take up all of our attention and all of our thoughts, whether it's a winning basketball season or, or whatever it may be. I mean, winning the, the PGA uh, Invitational for the Villages again, whatever that kind of stuff, man, listen, that's secondary. As great as that stuff may be, an extra paycheck, an extra, an extra vacation, those things are great, but they're temporary when it comes to eternity. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus is saying, listen, follow me. Follow me. Because that's the depth of confidence he wants us to have that one day we function from. He wants to know that, man, you can have faith. You can, you can trust me. It's going to be okay. One of the guys that probably, missed, probably understood this more than any, anyone else is not one that had the privilege of walking with Jesus like the disciples, but he had an encounter on the road to Damascus. If you know anything about the story, I mean, this guy's life was radically changed. This is a guy, this is a man who would write some two-thirds of the New Testament that we find today. And here, he, most of what he got that was inspired by the Holy Spirit in his teachings um, came from his interaction with the disciples who would teach him and, and instruct him on different things. And in the, middle, in the middle of a letter, in one of the letters that he wrote to Rome, in the letter that he wrote to Rome, Paul penned these words. He said, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to, to his purpose for them. And listen, if you know anything about Paul's life, I mean, it's just, just Joker had it rough. I mean, you think you've got it bad because of some things maybe you've walked through? I mean, this guy endured a lot. You go back and read some of his writings where he penned the things that he experienced. I mean, look in 2 Corinthians 11. I've been beaten. I have been stoned. I've been shipwrecked. Not once, okay, but three times. I, I, I know what it's like to face danger from rivers and robbers. I've faced danger from Jews as well as Gentiles in all kinds of environments. I've been persecuted from believing, uh, from professing believers. Let me tell you something, and let me stop right here. Church people can be nasty people. Church people can be nasty people, not Jesus people, but church people. Church people, and I have no tolerance for church people that are nasty people. Jesus, no Jesus, no change. 
No Jesus, no change. There's a lot of church people out there that don't know Jesus. And he said, listen, I have been persecuted from professing believers as well as those who aren't. I know what it's like to endure sleepless nights as well as be hungry and thirsty and cold. I mean, this is the guy that was thrown in jail, not once, but twice, left to die. But eventually, I mean, this guy was abandoned by friends. He, and by tradition, says that he was eventually crucified upside down. And yet he continued to hold on and persevere in the midst of all of this. He lived fearlessly with great faith and confidence that his heavenly father was in control. You know, coming out of 2020, we, we, I mean, going into 2020, we were all like, I hope I want to get a better picture of what, man, the, the next few years ago, I'm going to get a greater vision. And now we're leaving out of 2020 going, what in the world just hit me, you know? And now we're asking the, tw- uh, the question going into 2021, you know, Sid, are, are things going to get any better? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, if, if we already know what the scripture says, it's not going this way right now, it's going this way, but we all know how it all ends out. The Bible says every knee will confess, every knee will bow and tongue, confess that Jesus is Lord. And yet here's Jesus amidst all the stuff and all the questions and all the insecurity, uncertainty saying, just follow me. Just follow me. Quit listening to your friends. Quit listening to social media platforms. Quit listening to the news. But the pastor said, you just don't understand how difficult it is. You, you don't, you, you're not in touch with reality. Oh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because I know what it's like. Pastor said, I could lose my jobs. Yep, I could too. Pastor said, I mean, I could lose my business. Yep, I understand. No, you don't understand. Yeah, I I understand. Pastor said, I might get sick. I understand. I might die. Yep. You're going to die one day. Um, I'm not telling you not be wise. And I'm not telling you not be prepared. The only thing I've said, Jesus said, we didn't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful. I'm not saying that, that I don't catch myself sometimes thinking, okay, and I got to remind myself, okay, Sid, you're your you're pastor, you're not supposed to act that way. <laughs> but see, you're just like me, and I'm just like you. I have to wrestle with this stuff as well. But I want to have that confidence one day. I don't have to be fearful. But until that time, what I'm going to continue to do is I'm going to continue to focus forward and I'm going to continue to press ahead every day, putting one foot in front of the other. And I'm going to seek in everything that I have to follow him. And you know what happens in those times, Leslie, when I blow it, when I, when I just happen to, I get out of whack. Um, the thing that I want to remind myself, and I want you to remind yourself, I want you to remind yourself that how the disciples ended up. I mean, these are guys that walked with Jesus. They saw, they saw the miracles. They heard him teach. I mean, here it was, they laughed with him and sat around the table and had a chance to ask questions, and yet they still struggled to trust him. And in those moments when my faith is challenged, I just want to be, I want to be honest enough just to be able to ask the question, why? Why am I so afraid? Why am I struggling? Is it because I'm focused on people and things that can hurt and kill the flesh? Or am I focused on the one who can not only save my soul, but has secured my eternity? You with me? Am I I fearful because of something here that's temporary? Am I fearful of someone who can kill the flesh and hurt me? Or am I fearful? Am I confident in God? What, what, what's, where is it coming from? And so here's Jesus saying, listen, follow me. Because one day I want you to get to the place that you understand you, you can trust me. No hesitations. That's where I want to be. I want to trust him not just in some things, you know, when the bills are being paid and man, you got a little bit extra and your friendships are going along as they should be going along. But I want to trust Jesus in all things.
all things. And Jesus said, listen, if you trust me eventually, if you continue this process and you continue to grow in love and mature, eventually I'm going to bring you to the place that your faith, which is little, that it's going to be larger than your fear. See, there's a message inside of there. There's a lot to be said. So if you hear anything this morning, I want you to, to hear the words. Do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. For I am with you. I'm with you. Would you pray with me today? At the forefront of all of this is the question, have I ever chosen to accept the invitation to follow Jesus? Have I ever made that decision to follow Jesus? I'm not asking today if you go to church. I'm not asking how much you give. I'm not asking how many Bible studies you're in. I'm not asking when you were baptized. I'm not asking whether you were confirmed or I'm not asking any of that stuff. But the question at hand is, am I following Jesus? For those of us that are followers that have accepted the invitation to trust Jesus, the challenge for us is how do we grow in our faith that, that our faith becomes stronger and larger and that, God, we learn to trust you more and more, that our faith is, becomes more mature Father, we come to recognize that the, the end result, the, the what's in it for me, at the, at the, at, down at the end is that I come to realize that I don't have to be afraid, that God, you are so trustworthy. And I learned that over the years, Lord, as we walk with you and as we talk with you. Would you help those of us that are in this room today that, and that are listening to my voice, that are at that place that that God, that, that we, we, um, we not only recognize that we've made that decision, but we understand the significance of growing towards that place of being mature, that we don't have to be afraid, that whatever may happen over here with people that want to hurt us or situations that hurt us, that our fear doesn't have to be with that's in the temporary or that it's in the flesh, but God, that our faith and strength and trust in you can grow to the place that we recognize and hold on, that God... You secure not only our soul, but our eternity. Help us to live in such a way that, God, our lives are attractive and that it creates incredible conversations with people during this season when there's so much uncertainty in and around us. But the Lord, for the day, for the person that may not know you, that's never trusted you, today I pray that we would recognize that we're sinners. that we're sinners and that because of our sin that we're separated from you and because of our sin, the reality is that we're sick. And the Bible says, and Jesus said, he didn't come for those that were healthy, but for those that were sick. And Jesus would come and give the ultimate price when he would, he would be sacrificed willingly there on that cross and give his blood as a sacrifice for our sins, a payment for our sins, a payment that he didn't owe. It was a debt that he didn't owe but he paid it anyway. It was a, a payment that we couldn't pay, but Jesus did it through his blood. He became that lamb of God, sacrificed once and for all. And because of that sacrifice, we can place our trust in him and we can accept the invitation to follow him. And if there's someone here today that's never trusted Jesus, why? What keeps you from making the most important decision for the person that's listening my voice that may be listening online. What is it that keeps you from making the decision, the greatest decision you'll ever make to trust Jesus? Today, right there where you are, you can make that decision by saying, Jesus, I want to give you my life. And if that's you, I pray that you would respond to, to us in some type of a way to let us know this is a decision I'm, I'm making. I, I want I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to accept his invitation to follow him. I pray that you would allow us the opportunity to be part of knowing that so that we can walk alongside of you. 
Father, as we close out our time, this is what I know. We're fixing to walk out these doors in this next week. There's going to be all, all kinds of chaos that goes on personally as well as just corporately. Things that we happen to hear about at the workplace or, Father, that we be introduced to because of social media or news and help us just to be reminded of the truth that I don't have to be afraid. God, you're with me. I can trust you. For the person here today that may be struggling with some things that we just don't know, I pray today has been an encouragement that we will not, we will not be at the place that we, um, that we continue to struggle. But, Father, we make some really important decisions about just saying yes. I'm going to step across that. I'm going to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to trust you even, even though it doesn't make any sense. It's in that place of uncertainty when we trust you that our faith has grown, that we mature. Help us to be your hands and feet. There are people that are looking for answers. Help us to live in such a way that, Father, there are those that come to us asking us what a blessing it is to be part of a family, a church family that sees that, that God, we, we, we're to live on mission. It's not just about gathering together so that, so that we can just have a good time, but it's gathering so that we can be encouraged and reminded of the mission that you've called every one of us to. May we proclaim Jesus as we go out. May we recognize that Jesus is our hope, not the amount of resources that's in our bank account. That Jesus is our hope, not our health. Jesus is our hope, not the amount of friends that we have or the possessions that we've acquired, but only Jesus. Grow us up. Use us. Mature us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.